Cincinnati. Welcome to episode 210 of Cincinnati, <laughs> the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons. Welcome back. We are knee deep in the most wonderful time of the year, according to some. And I'm um, talking, of course, it's draft season. And we finally, finally, we've resisted. We've resisted diving into it because, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to shoot our loads too early. And, um... So we've waited, we've been patient, and now we're ready to attack it. And uh, as regular listeners of The Natter will know, uh, we do three special episodes in the lead-up to the draft every year. We have British uh, Bengals fans draft panel, we have Dave Lapham, and we have Joe Goodbury, and that's what's going to happen this year, because I'll say it again, as I do every year, the draft process can be, for those who don't really follow it, who don't track RAS scores and do mock drafts it can be quite overwhelming people a lot of people out there just want to know who we might draft and what position everyone will have an idea of what uh, where they want to go in the draft and uh, but for those who don't get into it too much um, with we always like to break things down because they say it can be an overwhelming process with all these names and positions and God knows what. So, uh, before we crack on, Nathan's here. Hello, Nathan. How are you, my son? It's a pleasure to be on here tonight as we enter draft season. The train's pulling into the station a bit, isn't it? About three weeks away now. Um, and the chatter continues, doesn't it, as to where we're going in the first round, where we're going in the latter rounds. You know, and I, I think still a lot to be decided with the whole... You know the roster shaping still a few decisions to be made there but yeah i mean 29th you've got a lot of options on the table what, what are you sort of looking for from the draft where were oh, your well i don't oh. know i uh, i mean normally you can kind of even when we're picking late in the past couple of years you can kind of say well you know the bengals need this right and they're probably going to go here Obviously, when we were rubbish, it was a bit of a no-brainer to pick Joe Burrow, a bit of a no-brainer to pick Jamar Chase, although there was an almighty discussion, Chase versus Saul, if you can cast your minds back uh, to, what, two years ago? Um, but this year, it feels a bit more unsettled, doesn't it? Because we don't quite know what's happening at running back. Um Obviously, Joe, since we've spoken to you last, uh, Joe Mixon, um, uh, the Cincinnati police have reopened the investigation into Joe Mixon's behaviour. He was, he'd been accused of waving a gun at someone. Um, but So no one really knows what's going to happen at running back. 
And there's a big question mark over right tackle. Now, as usual, the Bengals have done quite a nice job of filling holes, safety. You know, they've, um, they've signed Terrell Basham to um, since we last spoke to beef up the pass rush rotation. Um, you know, they re-signed Jermaine Pratt. Uh, there are rumours that T Higgins is about to uh, sign an extension, but nothing's come through on that yet. Obviously, we've got Joe Burrow's extension. But the big question marks, you know, we've got a fairly bare uh, tight end room. So you would kind of say, oh, yeah, you know, we may be looking at a couple of tight ends in the first round, the back end of the first round. But then you've got right tackle. Who knows what's going to happen with Leo Collins and or Jonah Williams. They, of course, signed Cody Ford as a free agent. I would assume just as, as kind of insurance, really, for that position. Um, so, yeah, it feels a bit more unsettled. So, frankly, and I, you know, I quite like the mock drafts. I do a lot of them, and I think they're a really good way of... Uh, I mean, it's impossible to predict uh, which players exactly. The, I know that Paul Daney Jr. and Jane Morrison have had a really good stab at, at it over on The Athletic, so I urge you to go and read and listen to those guys. But... For me, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> and then that ends the podcast this week. Thank, Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, though? It, they could go in a number of different directions. And I've been tracking who, who's been coming in for meets. I've been tracking who they met at the Combine and, uh, and the Senior Bowl and all that kind of stuff. And... It's all over the place. There's running backs. There's a few wide, you know, late round, well, at least wide receivers with late round grades. There's a few uh, interior defensive linemen with late round grades. Uh, it's it's kind of all over the place, really. And then, of course, you've got to factor in that this year, at the end of the next season, rather, you've got players like DJ Reader and Chido Wuzier, Chido, and let me think, Logan Wilson. And, of course, T. Higgins, out of contract. So do you draft for the future as well? You know, do you draft with with the end of next season in mind? Do you draft, say, for instance, if you're not planning to, to re-sign DJ Reader, for instance, which I hope they are, but, you know, um, we'll see about that down the line. But if you're not planning to re-sign DJ Reader, do you go for a big, beefy stud you know the the big guys that I like, frankly. Uh, do you go for those big someone in this year's draft to groom and to redshirt and to to work into the rotation and learn from DJ? You know Tyler Boyd's out of contract at the end of next year as well. There are a lot of it. Just feels a bit more unsettled than usual this year. You know, and I'll stop yeah, talking now. And there's not there's not many. If you look at the first three rounds, which typically, you know, are the most well informed, certainly from a fan's perspective, once you get, you know, a bit south of that, it starts getting a bit of a, you know, pick and mix, difficult to choose what you want down that neck of the woods and to know the prospects fully. But if you look at the first three rounds, how many positions could you say are definitely out of the question in the first three rounds? You'd say wide receiver, you'd say quarterback. Um, how many rounds? Got- how many rounds? First three. You see, I, mean, I don't know about wide receiver though, because they've been meeting a few guys with, you know, right. round two or round three grades, you know. Yeah, so no, quarterback. Maybe they think there's a chance they could fall to the fourth. I don't know, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? It's just, 
I mean, the, yeah, even quarterback, you know, they took Ryan Finley back in the day, sort of as about fourth, fifth round as a, a backup. They don't have a quarterback currently. They've signed. There's been a bit of rumoured interest around there. So, you know, you can't even rule out if they really like a guy in the third or fourth round at quarterback that they wouldn't think always oh, a prospect and a backup with someone we could groom behind Joe Burrow to be a bit of a, you know, a bit of trade bait for the future or just to be a serviceable backup. So that it really is, you know, you'd say kicker, He's probably the one position that you'd say there's no chance they go inside round three, and obviously, I think uh, linebacker as well. Um, yeah, probably, probably. Even then, I, I don't know. If you said they took a, a linebacker in round three, it'd be a bit of a shock. But I don't think it'd be, you know, an absolute disgrace at the same time. So it really does leave the door open and you're talking about round one that's a sexy headline pick you know again you could go so many ways i think a lot of people me in particular quite like quite like the idea of a running back if by jan robinson's there i'm pulling the trigger on him i think he's the future of the franchise if you draft him he'd be a great player for a couple of years and you know lead you forward on offense i don't think gibbs um, Jameer Gibbs I don't think he is probably great value for the Bengals in terms of where we're selecting but a lot still of a- people like him though a lot of people like yeah, him at the end of that first round um he- He's, a, he's obviously rapid, he's young, he's, he's just literally turned 21, he's got elite speed, but you know, I, I think you p- might possibly be um, pulling the trigger a bit early on in there, but you know, it wouldn't be awful. Tight end, I mean, goodness me, I mean, there's about seven geezers <laughs> in the first two rounds that you could, you know, you'd be interested in. I think if you want the athletic blocker, Darnell Washington, you know, a bit of an upside there, not the quickest guy, but you know, a lot of potential there if he fell into the second round it'd be probably a good pick for us first round probably a bit much and then I mean you know a lot of people saying could Dalton Kincaid be there he's probably the best tight end in the class I mean he'd be very exciting not a great blocker necessarily but an incredible target downfield you know a ton of yards and catches last season at Utah Michael Mayer as well very good player PFF's number one graded tight end um, from last year out of 452 tight ends he ranked number one last year in college football so you know some good players there I'd like the Bengals to go offence in the first round I think either if you took either Kincaid Michael Mayer or you went BJM Robinson I think I'd be excited with that I think it would really send a message out to you know some of those offenses around the AFC some of those juggernauts like the Kansas Cities and the Buffalo that you're competing with that you you're going all in you know we've lost some RJP Ryan we've lost Hayden Hurst I think we've regressed at both positions um tight end and running back and I think if you've had any of those three guys I just mentioned I think immediately um you take a step forward in terms of talent so yeah, that, that's what I would quite like to do. Now, if you get a good prospect falling, you know, someone that's projected to go in the early 20s, maybe even the mid to late teens that tumbles down a ball that you've got a particular interest in, uh, another position, you know, on defence in particular, you know, who knows? But what's your well, way you looking at? Well, that, that's, that's what makes the draft so infuriating and enjoyable at the same time because you just can't predict it. People are going to be making some crazy trades. Uh, there might be a run on, for instance, tight ends. There might be a run on tackles, offensive tackles. Um, and if there is a run on a particular position, then that means quality players uh, who are graded much higher uh, will go 
lower and fall to us, basically. And, you know, I've, I've seen today that Miles Murphy, the Clemson defensive end, has come in for a visit, or at least on his way in for a pre-draft visit. No one really had him uh, falling to 28-29. Do you know what I mean? Um, you've got Emmanuel Forbes as well, the cornerback. And it's... It, it, the thing is, it's all about value of position. Who do the Bengals value? What positions do the Bengals value? And you, again, just going back to Paul Dana and uh, Jay Morrison on the Athletic, they've had a really good stab at looking at the Bengals' recent draft history. I mean, they haven't drafted a defensive lineman for over 20 years. That's in it. You know, they like picking up these big guys uh, in the third, fourth round, your Geno Atkins, your Michael Johnsons, your Carlos Dunlaps, etc., etc. So, does that mean they're not going to go for a Kalijah Kansi, who is touted, well, who's comped to Aaron Donald? He's not necessarily going to be the next Aaron Donald, but he's got traits and, and similarities in athletic profile that make him very enticing. And that's what the Bengals need. One of the things that they need, a a proper interior pass rusher. You know, we've always said, imagine, imagine. that The real tragedy of Zach Taylor's reign, I think, is that Geno Atkins didn't yeah. get a chance to play next to DJ Reader. I think both of us were absolutely rock hard at the prospect of... of, of, um, of uh, of Gino playing next to DJ Reader, you know what a terrible twosome they would have been. What they would have made. Now, if Kalijah Kants is there at twenty-eight or whatever it is, is it twenty-eight or twenty-nine? I think it's twenty-eight, isn't it? I think I twenty-nine. I think twenty-nine. If they, if he's there at twenty-nine, then or where the Bengals pick, you know, why? You know, you, you get it. And again, it really does depend on what the yeah, Bengals boards say. They gen generally. Go with the person that's top of their board, you know, at that particular position. They don't like reaching, or at least we, you know, maybe Drew Sample was the outlier on that in the past couple of years. But yeah, they tend to go with their boards, as most teams do. I don't know, cornerback. They seem to value. They've drafted first-round cornerbacks in the past. Cornerbacks absolutely love it, don't they? Yeah, and I like a cornerback in the first round. Um, People like Emmanuel Forbes has come in for a visit. Deontay Banks has been uh, 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 touted in lots of mock drafts. Whether he falls, who knows? So you've got all these moving parts and all these variables, and it's a bloody nightmare to predict. And, of course, when people do their mock drafts, they tend to fall in and watch video stuff on YouTube or grind the tape, as they like to say. Um trouble is I start watching YouTube and then I go down wormholes to watch videos of cats and small dogs and things like that um, so I can't stay uh, too lo locked in on uh, bits of uh, video footage of players in, during their college days um, so you're a scout just in the subject of like watching the videos and stuff and the different things people look for yeah I thought like there's two types of players aren't there in some ways in terms of what you look for in the draft now are you, are you someone that looks for raw athletic ability so the sort of if you were like the you know if you're Duke Tobin are you looking at a guy that's 
athletically fantastic long arms big range you know got the the height weight speed everything you want in terms of the physicality to the point you think good lord if we got this guy in we trained him up in a year or two with a bit of nfl experience the geezer could be you know wrecking people you know no matter what position it is like yeah, the athletic yeah, yeah. ability side or are you someone that goes down the route of the slightly more like, you know, Kalija Kansi type prospect that actually, you know, in terms of his height and weight, perhaps not where you'd want it to be for an interior lineman, but his production is fantastic. And yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I don't know what I type of scout I'd be, but you read, I mean, you read about, so for instance, you take Gino Atkins. He wasn't the prototypical. no. Uh, defensive lineman wasn't he? he was a bit shorter a bit stouter but he had that incredible anchor that incredible get off that really strong core he was just unstoppable yeah. it doesn't matter whether he was four foot three or six foot nine do you know what i mean he had yeah. it whatever he had that explosiveness so i think it's a mixture isn't it? they i've been reading reports that you know in interviews with lou recently for instance he you know he comes from a secondary defensive back background you know so he's very much got a type he likes the lot he likes fast long-armed guys you know um which sounds so who doesn't frankly who doesn't um nathan <laughs> but um do you know what i mean but some other defensive coordinator or defensive backs coach might value ball skills more do you know what i mean so it really does come down to the coach and that's the thing about we can predict all we want. We can do all the mock drafts that we want. And of course, people do these mock drafts and they fall in love with players and they don't really, you know, not necessarily fit the mould. The Bengals do have types that mm. they that they like to draft, certainly during the Zach Taylor reign. Um, but yeah, you know, so people fall in love with their, with their own players and get really pissed off with the Bengals when they don't select them. Uh, and that's when they start giving out bad grades. So it is such a subjective, unless you really do know what you're talking about, and whether you're privy to the Bengals' big boards down there in, in the bowels of Paycor Stadium in the front offices, um, it's it's kind of impossible to predict, but it is great fun to predict. And I love the mock drafts because you can get to know the players. That's the For me, that's the main benefit of doing mock drafts. You get to know the players who you might pick and guys that you fall in love with you know um i fell in love with logan hall last year and i've kept tabs on him and he's done pretty well in tampa bay this year you know he's come on really well so but in terms of you know it, it is impossible to predict um but you look at say uh, the offensive line they changed scheme midway through last season right they went from a wide zone to a, a more of a power gap uh, blocking scheme and you know, they've just signed a whopper in Orlando Brown at left tackle. Does that mean they want to go for another absolute whopper? Dawan Jones from Ohio State is a right tackle. And he's like six for eight. Do they go with someone like him? Do you know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. I don't know. What, what would be your answer to that, the question that you asked me about 15 hours ago? <laughs> I always, if I was a scout... And I'm not very unlikely at this point in my life. I'm going to be. Um, never say never. I'd always go for production and sort of try and 
get a grasp on like instincts and just general performance rather than going down the athletic sort of rabbit hole. I think the athletic yeah, side yeah, yeah. is very, very exciting. And I think if, you know, you've got to back yourself as a coach and someone that can cut that, you know, train a player to get the best out of them. But I think sometimes footballing instincts, determination, work ethic, stuff like that, you know, you look at some of those guys like JJ Watt and um, Aaron Donald, Geno Atkins, some of those guys that, you know, didn't go in the top 10 picks at all, you know, some of them falling out the first round. And you look at their athletic ability and it's like, Mur. but the one thing with all three players is just the work ethic, the determination, the instincts, the footballing IQ. Some of those things are very hard to measure because they're not that tangible. Whereas, you know, a stat on a screen, oh, someone's run a 4.3 40-yard dash. I mean, that's kind of, you know, when you're talking about, you know, 0.1 of a second, you know, on different person's stopwatch in different weather conditions in different, you know, on certain days of the week, I think that's, that stuff that even though it's very easy to put on paper and visualize and get involved in, I think sometimes it's much more difficult to translate that into actual on the field production, um, you know, than actually trying to get to know a prospect, um, understand his work ethic, understand, you know, the production on the field and, you know, really watching the tape to get into that. And it is difficult when you talk about, especially as fans, sometimes I find it hard when you sort of, you're trying to grade prospects because, no one really has got the time or certainly most fans do not have the time to scout you know i mean how many players in this draft do you know the name of probably 50 to 100 maybe maybe more but it's like you can't sit there and spend half an hour of your time on each prospect really or if, if you do you know you're going into the hours upon hours and even then you're only probably seeing highlights so it's hard as a fan i think to you know become too um closely acquainted with some of the prospects but i think at the very least you can kind of you know, get an idea for the sort of players you want at each position in terms of the, the key characteristics. You know, do you want the fast, rangy wide receiver or a slot guy? Do you want the boom bust project? Or do you want someone who's going to, you know, actually is, you know, like a tight end is quite a good blocker and is a bit more of a safe bet versus someone who's, you know, more of a pass catching tight end. So I think it's just getting the sort of building out those profiles of people and understanding that. I tend to not get too overly excited um, even though I can see how it is easy to get um, very excited around the sort of physical like this guy's six foot eight and you know runs a 4.3 40 yard dash and you know is Mr. All World you know freakishly exciting athlete even though you know in theory you're like oh blimey this guy could you know be the the next coming of Zeus um, <laughs> I tend to yeah. well you look at John Ross well, exactly, instance, and know. like Darius Haywood Bay or the famous ones, aren't they, back in the day? of? Well, I, th I think, you know, at the top of the draft, the first couple of three rounds, you want tape and production allied to athletic traits, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah. the perfect mix. But they always say tape is king, don't they? Production is king. But then when you get down, you know, lower, th fourth, fifth, sixth round, you're more willing to take a risk a gu on guys that perhaps don't have the production or haven't had the production but are outstanding athletes yeah and well, says perfect is a very good example of someone that you know he ran a shocking 40 yard dash he was he, every there were so many questions about him physically and he's out of shape brandon spikes was another guy back in the day that you know athletically everyone just wrote off and they ended up having very productive careers i think both possibly yeah i think with, uh, uh, with perfect it was more more also is uh, the fact that he was an absolute nutcase so there we but go you, but you look uh, again another example of that you remember pj dawson i do yeah, yeah third round 
linebacker about yeah. in the and he was, years. He had yeah. the same sort of knock on him. Wasn't a particularly athletic guy, but made plays, right place, right time. You know, sort of a bit of a sort of productive type of guy that you know the Bengals felt they could get something out of. And he, you know, complete bust, never made the team. You know, well never... again, that was down to his attitude, wasn't it? That was... oh, exactly. But yeah. and that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? It's I think if you can really find a character that you can trust and that you believe in a bit like a sam hubbard type character you know someone that's going to get be the first guy i know it's such a cliche but someone who's going to be you know the first guy in the building a, a leader in the locker room someone like that i think you always feel like you know they're going to give it their best shot and they're going to you know really give all it takes on the field and I think that is something that Zach Taylor and the team have done well over the last couple of years. They've tried to draft high character leaders, captains. Yeah, yeah, very much so, yeah. College, and that's been a really nice trait, I think, that, you know, so far for them has worked very well. So, yeah, I think, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that again. I, I really think yep. certainly in the later rounds as well, you might want yeah. to look out for people that are captains on their teams, leaders, people that, you know, Zach wants to bring in and be part of this um, this team's culture. Um, Paul Dawson, PJ Dawson, still plays. Does he really? Plays for the Vegas Vipers in the XFL. Look at that. There you go. Anyway, right, let's uh, let's go over to our British... Uh, well, I should say, me and Nathan are going to talk more next week about our favourite players. We're going to play the name game next week. I know you're all looking forward to that. There's some crackers uh, in there this year. Uh, we'll be talking to Dave Lappin next week, so... We'll also have a bit more room to chat, but uh, let me hand you over to the chairman of our British Bengals fans draft panel roundtable, Peter Daswell, and with him he has Rory Joe Daniels, Paris Pinney, and Nathan Sangara. Take it away, Pete. Cincinnati. Thanks, Paul. Um, and we here we are a year later, and uh, we've got another draft. So, gentlemen, um, obviously. The Bengals are in a position of drafting not for need, but best player available and with some talent on the board. So let's see who the Bengals might be uh, looking at. There's always a need for big boys, both uh, offensive line and defensive line. So let, let's start there. Obviously, we brought in um, Orlando Brown Jr., but there's question marks at the right tackle. So, um, Nathan, tell me about Darnell Wright, who seems to be on the hype train at the moment. Yeah, not just that. <clears throat> also saw him recently um, going back and forth with a, a Bengals podcaster as well. It seemed to be, uh, I think they sort of went a bit, a bit of back and forth with those two, but uh, seemed to resolve it out. But it's, uh, I like to see that he even came out and admitted the mistake as well, which is uh, kind of a personality trait you can see with him. But him as an actual prospect, he's um, he, he looks to be a really good uh, maybe day one starter, potentially at right tackle, depending on what happens with Jonah. Um, he's 21 years old, uh, six foot five, 333 pounds. Uh, projected to go anywhere between mid first to the end of the first round, so he could be in play at twenty eight potentially for the Bengals. Um, he's tested really well in explosion testing specifically, and considering how big he is, he tested relatively good for speed as well with his athletic testing at the combine. Uh, he has played both both left and right tackle, but typically plays right more so. Played in the SEC, playing against some really good competition. Throughout, considering all the teams that are in there, like your Alabamas and your LSU's. Um, he has good uh, length and hand placement and seems to cut well specifically with power rushes. He uses anchor well to hold up in pass protection specifically. Pretty decent as a run blocker too, uh, but more so um, skilled towards uh, pass protection, which suits the Bengals quite well. 
Um, his footwork is still a bit of an issue, but it's improved in the last couple of years. So he seems to move his feet better than he did. So hopefully that projection continued to go if he is picked by the Bengals at 28. Uh, he does uh, struggle a bit more with speed rushes too, uh, but he, as uh, I think uh, power is a harder thing to cope with in the NFL. So the fact that he can do that quite well is a pretty good sign, but definitely think a really good option um, at the right tackle position if he were to take it. Um Thanks very much. Well, there's another offensive tackle prospect that um, Bengals being linked with, um, and that's uh, Darren Jones. Tell me about him. Uh, yes, he's a six for eight, three hundred and seventy-four pound um, Goliath at the position. Um, he's got rare length and size. Um, he's powerful. He's got a strong anchor, so um, he won't have any trouble with being bullied or pushed back at the next level. Um, he's got very good footwork. Um, He's very good in space and screens, uh, pitches, tosses. Um, I think he may struggle against speed rushes early in his career. Um, and he's a better run blocker than pass blocker. But I think he'd be a great fit at right tackle for Bengals. Um, I think he probably will be just a right tackle at the next level. Um, I'd be happy enough with him at 28, but I don't think he'll be BPA there. I think um, if he fails to pick 60, he'd be an absolute steal. But... I imagine he'll probably fall in between picks 28 and 60 at this rate, I'd imagine. Well, we can't just look at one side of the ball. We need um, people on the defensive side of the ball. And a player I've been very interested in is Brian Brissy from Clemson. He's a six foot five and a half interior defensive lineman. This is a quick player. I mean, um, he tested recently 4.86 40-yard dash. That's the 93rd percentile. This was a one, uh, one time a number one recruit coming out of high school football. But unfortunately, his college football was um, marred by injuries. Um, at one point, the ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year. But in well, 2021, he suffered multiple of injuries, including a torn ACL. And uh, unfortunately, last year, he lost a lot of time uh, when he lost his sister to cancer. Um, very, very quick, very twitchy, very aggressive. This is a three-tech. Uh, in the mould of a, a big Geno Atkins, if that's any help. High motor, um, he can often be seen helping clean up uh, extended plays. He's good in the um, in the run game, especially moving laterally across the line of scrimmage. But the pass rush is definitely where he'll make his name. I mean, he needs more reps after losing almost a season to football. But very clearly talented. There is no way he would be here at 28 for, for the Bengals were it not for this lack of production. That will hold him back, but that might see him get to 28. And the Bengals are interested. Bengals have been speaking to him already. So his position from his interior defensive line, probably in year one spelling uh, the, the, the starters, um, which is Taylor May for Bengals. That's exactly what they need. So, uh, Rory, you'll be, you've been looking at defensive line prospect. Um, I can't pronounce his name. Tell me about him, though. I've got it spelt out here, phonetically ready to go. So we've got Adi Tomiwa Adibare, been told. So out of Northwestern, um, he's six foot two to eight two, so he's a bit of a tweener frame. Um, he played most of his reps on the outside for Northwestern, so he projects as a three tech at the at the next level. And um, what's helped his rise has been an unbelievable um, combine performance. He ran a forty yard dash time of four point four nine at 282 pounds, which is absolutely ridiculous. So as soon as that happened, obviously we got the buzz, you know, and he was in some first round mock draft. I think things have just sort of calmed down a little bit on him now. Production wasn't there in college, really. Um, inconsistent. The flashes are there. 
really long out, 34 inch arms. Um, so he's one of those where you can see the athletic ability. It's whether or not you trust him back yourself to to improve him and get him into a consistent performer. Tackling it was was a big issue, missed tackles. Um, defensive front, he's similar in a mould to sort of Zach Carter, Cam Sample, where he can do inside-outside stuff. That room is a bit stacked, so whether the Bengals would be interested in him, I think it would be in the second round um, if they were to go for him. Um, but yeah, very interesting prospect and and the, that athletic upside will make him a big consideration. Okay, let, let's move on now. Um, Joe Burrow has got CJ Zama and Hayden Hurst paid in the last two years and next guy up is Irv Smith. But injuries and inconsistencies might suggest he's not going to be the long-term tight end one. Certainly that room could require or need um, one or two more tight ends maybe on day one or day two. Of the draft, so so let's look at tight ends. Um, speaking of big old boys, Paris, um, tell me about Darnell Washington, the Georgia big lad. So yeah, so he's a six foot seven, two hundred and sixty four pound tight end. Um, he ran a four point six four forty yard dash, which is exceptional for you know for a man of his size. Um, he's ranked as the fourteenth most athletic tight end of all time in terms of his testing. So very athletic. Um, best example of this actually, if you go on YouTube and you see his hurdle against Oregon, you know. He moves brilliantly for a man of his size. Um, he gives you a huge advantage in the run game. He's almost like a third offensive lineman. Um, he's a huge weapon and mismatch in the red zone. Um, got a huge wingspan and catch radius. Um, I mean, yeah, it, the upside is almost unlimited. I mean, um, he's got the exact traits that you want at position. And he's almost like a diamond in the rough where you can polish him, coach him up. Um, his lack of production was down to playing next to um, Brock Bowers, who's going to be a top 15 selection in the draft next year so he shouldn't be necessarily punished for that he's still a good receiver um i say his only real weakness is um technique and hand placement needs work and um, he could be a little sloppy at times um he relies almost too much on his size so he'll need to work on that at the next level but um i think at 28 he feels a huge need um he's got the biggest potential of any of the tight ends in the class um so yeah i think he'd be a great pick there at 28 for us excellent um a tight end who's often uh, mocked to the Bengals is um, Michael Mayer from um, uh, Notre Dame. Um, I think in the combine, he thought that the Bengals played the Houdet Stadium. Uh, Rory, tell me more about him. Yeah, he's the, there's a local connection there with Michael Mayer. He was uh, born in Independence, Kentucky, so he's a 20-minute drive from Paycor Stadium. Like you said, in the combine interviews, he referred to it as Houdet Stadium. Um, and he was, he was very open to the idea that he liked that link to the, to the Bengals. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, that and the age will also appeal to the Bengals. He's only 21 when the draft happens. So he's in prime two-contract territory there um, for the Bengals. They like being able to fit that that second contract in before 30. Um, he's been fantastic at, at Notre Dame. And if you'd have asked us pre-season, he was in a lot of people's top 10s. And he didn't really do that much wrong. He's not the most athletic compared to some of the, his peers in this class, but, but production-wise, he's been unstoppable at Notre Dame, and they haven't had a lot of receiving threats. So all opposition teams know that the ball's going to Mayer, and they can't stop him. He's that big um, and that physical that he, he's a really effective tight end. He's a chain mover. I think the Bengals are like him. He's got a run-blocking grade of 82.1, so that's it, encouraging as well. And 
although there is like some people have been like, oh, is he athletic enough? His relative athletic score, his direct comparison is actually Hayden Hurst, interestingly enough. So that should reassure Bengals fans if he is pick 28 that he's more than athletic enough and it'd be a great receiving option for him. He's often been touted as a tight end one, but has slipped a little. The person who seems to be tight end one is Dalton Kincaid, and I've been looking at him. A full transparency, this is being recorded on Wednesday, the 12th of April, and Dalton Kincaid has seen the Bengals today. Um, he's a six foot three and a half, so he's not the tallest tight end. He's 246 pounds, so not the biggest tight end, and he will be almost 23 and a half years old uh, at the time of the draft. So he's an older prospect. He was injured uh, the back end of the season, had a back injury, so he hasn't tested yet. And, and that's a, a problem. But I know that uh, the doctor has written to all the NFL teams, clearing him um, now after the, his back injury. Um, this is a receiving tight end. He has the best hands in the um, in the tight end class here. Uh, active leader amongst tight ends in the FBS uh, with almost 2,500 yards and 35 touchdowns. Last year, he led all tight ends in receiving yards and um, yards per game, ranked second in touchdowns. In perhaps the biggest game against USC, he had 16 catches on 16 targets, 234 yards, which is a career high, and a touchdown. And admittedly, these stats are um, against Pac-12 quarterbacks, so we have to take that into consideration. Was a intended to be a friend of the pod, Andrew Duckhall, of course, who's an Oregon Duck fan. But this would be a pass catching target for Joe Burrow. He's not got functional strength to be um, a great inline blocker. He'll need some time in the NFL weight room to develop that, but he's certainly enthusiastic. Um, he's a, a typical um, basketball um, tight end, played a lot of basketball, and you can see that the way he high points his catch, showing great extension. Overall, he's, a, he's probably a tight end two in year one and could develop into a very good tight end one later. And isn't that exactly what the Bengals want? Uh, so it may not be um, day one that we, we look at a tight end. It may be day two. Um, Nathan, I think you've been looking at Sam Laporta, haven't you? Yep, the uh, uh, the tight end out of Iowa, uh, Sam Laporta. A bit of a lineage there in a way with the uh, guys like George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant coming out in recent drafts. And obviously they've all been... There's uh, some level of success uh, massively if you look at George Kittle's production. Um, but yeah, he's a 22 year old prospect, uh, six foot three, 245, so similar to Kincaid on a bit of a shorter side, but bit, maybe even more so. Uh, he did test as a borderline elite athlete, though, at the combine. Um, uh, it, it, but due to a lack of size and, and weight, he probably projects to be better uh, either out in the slot or or at least moving rather than being in line as a six lineman. So he, like, his weakness tends to be his blocking more than anything else, although he does really show the desire to be able to do it. So potentially putting on uh, some weight will help him in that sense going forward. Um, he did run a, uh, run a 4.5-yard, 40-yard dash, uh, which great athlete um, tested a great athlete in speed, agility, and explosive categories. Um, very effective after the catch, which surprisingly, considering the previous tight ends that have come out of Iowa, he forced 10 missed tackles in 2022, which is actually a record there. So the fact that he's had more than the, the previous Titans that have been there is sort of impressive of him. Um, definitely think he can thrive as a fourth option in the offense with um, with the big three receivers as the main targets, but he'd definitely be really reliable at converting third downs, similar to how Hayden Hurst was previously uh, last year for the Bengals. So I do think he'd be a really good option there. Most likely be a second round, maybe third round, but you'd probably be lucky if it falls to 
the the ninety second pick, I believe it is. So it may be a, a second round pick, but definitely a prospect to keep an eye on. Excellent. Um, right, I want to swap to the other side of the ball now. I think another position that Bengals will be looking very closely at are defensive backs. Um, obviously, we've had a bit of a change around. We've lost both our safeties, and Eli Apple has gone, perhaps replaced in a similar like for like contract by Sidney Jones. Um, Paris, you've been looking at Deontay Banks, who we often see mocked to the Bengals. Um, tell us about him. Yeah, so he's a six foot, 197 pound cornerback. Uh, he ran a 4.35 yard, 40 yard dash. Um, he's an exceptional athlete for the position. Um, he's got, well, he's got a 10 RAS score, a perfect 10. Um, I mean, he's a general generational tester at the position. Um, he's got the requisite size and length that the Bengals cover at the corner position. Um, He's a good, solid tackler, and we know how important that is to Lou Anarumo on the boundary. Um, only real weakness that I can see, um, he isn't comfortable at times in coverage when he's got his back to the play, um, and that's reflecting his lack of turnovers. He only had two interceptions his whole career. But, um, I mean, yeah, he's experienced in man and zone coverage. He's very fluid. Um, I think if he's there at 28, you sprint to the podium, you don't think twice about it. Um, He's probably the fourth best corner in the draft. Hits position of need at a premium position. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a dream scenario for him to be at 28. But the more I read, uh, the more I see, the more I think it's highly unlikely that it makes it to us at 28, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I agree with you. He's likely, I don't think he's going to get past Baltimore for a start. Um, Nathan, Cam Smith, uh, South Carolina, um, he may be around at 28. Tell us about him. Yeah, I think I think he would be a guy that's probably going to be there, maybe even for the early second round, so potentially a trade-back option if the Bengals are looking to that. But yeah, uh, Cam Smith is a 22-year-old prospect, um, six foot one inch, 180 pounds, projected in that range, as I mentioned. Uh, he did test elite for speed and explosiveness at the Combine, so definitely an athlete that the Bengals would cover there. Uh, he ran a 4.43 4-yard dash, which, again, for his size, is pretty impressive. So plenty quick enough to play outside corner, which is the main need with uh, guys like Mike Hilton, etc., that can play in the slot. So uh, definitely more of a, a Bengals want, I think, for this one. Uh, very competitive player, plays with good physicality, uh, particularly considering his weight uh, is slightly lean compared to other corners. Uh, has really good closing speed and good instincts um, and has tends to be in the right place to make plays when needed. Um, and could be really sticky in man coverage as well. So uh, can get a bunch of pass breakups. I think he had 16 pass breakups and four interceptions in his last two seasons. So a lot of good production as well. Um, but not just in man coverage as well. He's uh, generally has pretty good play recognition and uh, can read the quarterback and receiver consistently. So I think he'd be also a good player in zone coverage as well, which I think with the Luana Rumo scheme, it tend to be a very versatile player. And I think Cal Smith would fit that pretty well. Um, his main weaknesses seem to be his tackling. He can be uh, quite over-aggressive and, and tends to arm tackle more than you'd like. So something to maybe work at because you want to wrap guys up and bring them down. He doesn't tend to do that as often. Uh, his other main one being that he could be quite grabby. He did have 10 penalties in 2022, which is a lot, a lot of pass interferences or holding, which is something he'll definitely have to work at. But uh, I think the tools are there definitely to be a really good uh, future cornerback one for the Bengals. So a guy that I think they'd be differently interested in. If they were looking on day two, then we, what we do know about the types of defensive backs the Bengals like, uh, they like speed 
and there was a re- really speedy uh, cornerback. Um, Rory, tell us about DJ Turner. Yeah, the cornerback out of Michigan, DJ Turner. Uh, when you listen to draft podcasts, like, like I listen to loads of stuff like that, you, you hear from people like Dane Brugler, Ben Fennell, those guys that, that, that know their stuff, and they refer to the cornerback position as a stopwatch position. So the 40-yard dash is a massive marker for cornerbacks. So there's no better player, really, in this this one, in terms of pure speed, than, than Turner, because he ran a 4.26 at the combine, so that's the fastest of anybody uh, that was there in Indy. He's 5'11", 178 pounds, 178 pounds. Now, that will come under some team thresholds. So it's sort of like that 180, more physical um, defensive back. That said, it doesn't really affect his game. He's a good tackler. He's willing and, and pretty feisty. He was a key part of the Wolverines team that went to the college football playoff semifinals. Um, and he's been a leader in the backfield. Obviously, you see him probably as a second rounder initially to back up a Woozie and, and Taylor Britt, but obviously we've got a Woozie's contract coming up. And then the thing with Turner is that his size and his tackling ability, he could actually play on the inside as well. So at the next level, he might be better as a slot corner. It's not something he did a lot in Michigan uh, at all, really. But he could project into that. And with Mike Hilton approaching, to, that is something to, to consider as well. He'd be familiar with another name in our secondary, Daxton Hill. Last year, the first first round pick was a was a Michigan player as well, so there'll be some familiar familiarity there. Um, and then the final point, and this is this is the real the real good one, is uh, I know that Nathan, the co-host on the podcast, is particularly interested in interesting names. Well, the DJ DJ Turner stands for Juan Drago. And uh, there's not only one Juan Drago in that family, he's actually one Drago Turner the second. So I think that's that's pretty impressive. Now. Solid handle. Um, sometimes cornerbacks live in the shadow of um, a bigger name cornerback at their college. I think of Kobe Bryant, who's a, a good cornerback, but uh, Source Gardner got all the plaudits. One of the um, teammates of, we've spoken about Deontay Banks, DJ Turner, and Cam Smith today. One of the teammates of Deontay Banks is Jacorian Bennett and um, I think he's an interesting pos- uh, prospect possibly even in round three you ever gone to the mock draftable website about comparables the comparables for Jacorian Bennett are Deontay Banks DJ Turner and Cam Smith okay um, finally let's move on to running backs we know that there's an issue over Mixon and his affordability we've lost P Ryan I'm a fully paid-up member of the draft Bijan Robinson, um, but he's unlikely to get to 28. So let's look at some other running backs who might be of interest, perhaps in rounds two and three. Uh, Rory, tell us about Tank Bigsby. Big fan of Tank Bigsby out of Auburn. Um, He had an absolutely shocking offensive line last season. Um, And despite that, he nearly went for a 1,000 yards rushing in the SEC. So you can tell, tell he's talented. He, he overcame that hurdle. Um, in terms of what he offers, he's six foot, 210 pounds, solidly built. He has better speed on tape than he, than he tested. Um, and I think he's a back. He's that sort of style of back that the Bengals will really like. Um, I think he's, he's going to be a, a good player on first and second down. Um, and he's, he's going to, he has them impact runs. Now I know Joe Goodbury, um, Bengals podcaster and, and guy on Twitter that, that knows his stuff. 
he's obsessed with sort of breakaway percentage and, and impact runs, and that's what Bigsby offers. Um, according to PFF, he has a lot. He has a high one of the highest percentages of breakaway runs, so he runs over fifteen plus yards. That is something that this offense could could do with, and and that will be something that plays into Bigsby's favour. Not a massive piece in the passing game, thirty receptions for under eighty yards last season, but he does look smooth when he when he is on passing downs. So I think he can do more of that. Excellent cutting ability. I love the way he swaps his balance and shifts and jinks. Um, he'll hit a hole, he'll knock players back, but he'll also have to bounce it on the outside and run right down the sideline. So speed's got to be the little thing that pulls him back. But I think as a second round, third round player, he's exactly what the Bengals look for. Um, and I, I would be happy with him in the second. If he's there on third, I'd, I'd definitely take him in, in the third round. Excellent. Harris, um, um, ironic for your name, I think you've been looking at someone who sounds like a bottle of uh, French wine. Tell me about him. Yes, that's a Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. Um, he's a six foot, 214 pound running back. Um, he ran a 4.5340 yard dash, which is fairly solid, solid for a back of his size. Um, he's got excellent agility and cutting ability. Um, physically very strong, hard to bring down. Um, He's not hard, you know. He's not afraid to initiate contact and run through defenders. Um, he's got very good short area quickness and acceleration. Um, good vision. Um, he's a very good receiving throughout the backfield with soft hands. Um, I definitely think he'll be a three down back in the NFL. Um, he's also very good in the red zone on short yardage situations. He scored um, twenty seven touchdowns for the last two seasons combined. Um, the only real knock on him for me is his lack of top end speed. Um, he doesn't have that sort of home run hitting ability. Um, he's good in those sort of 15 to 20 yard runs at most. But beyond that, you know, he's not going to take it sort of 50, 60 yards to the house. But um, for me, he's probably the clear third best back in the draft. I think he'd be a, the perfect P-line replacement. And um, yeah, I think um, I'd be happy with him in the second round. OK, Nathan. I struggle to pronounce the uh, running back you've been looking at. So um, tell me about Devin. I mean, Devon Achain, I think, is uh, as that you pronounce it. It can be one of those that you can sort of go multiple different ways on. But yeah, uh, the running back out of Texas A&M. Uh, young guy, only 21 years old. He's a little on the smaller side, at five foot eight and a half inches, 188 pounds. But if you're looking for speed, this is your guy in the draft. He's speed and then some. Mm -hmm. He ran a 4.32 40-yard dash at the combine, including a 1.4 10-yard split, which I think I believe is one of the fastest testers at the combine. And big-time runs for me, uh, I think sort of mentioned before, has been what's missing from the Bengals' running game over the last couple of years, uh, getting explosive runs out of guys like Mixon and P. Ryan. So I think that uh, A-Chain could be the guy to bring that to the Bengals' offense. Um, being explosive on the ground as well as in the air can make the offense even more dangerous than it already is. Um, even though he is a bit on the smaller side and he's more about speed, he can run with some power through tackles, uh, more so than you'd think considering the fact that he's only 5'8 and a half and 188 pounds. Um, he, he actually showed to be good in gap scheme too, which is what the Bengals tend to run more often now that um, they sort of changed halfway through the year, how they were trying to run the ball. So he actually fits the scheme they've got more recently. So, a guy that you could probably plug straight in and I think he could be pretty effective. Um, he also has good vision uh, to find small lanes to produce extra yards when needed and can be very shifty uh, in those situations, uh, sort of leaning on his uh, his speed that he's shown a lot of. 
Uh, he can be a good threat in the passing game as well and has room to grow in terms of running his routes out of the backfield. Um, so plenty of uh, untapped potential there as well because uh, a pass catcher as well could be beneficial on top of having Mixon in the team. Um, he also does give, bring a bit of special teams value as well. He's returned 20 kicks for an average of 30 yards per return in the last couple of years and does also have two kick return touchdowns. So someone that we could uh, use on kick returns, punt returns, so it'd be extra value to use as well as using in the running game. So I definitely uh, like him as an option in maybe the second or third if he's there. Well, speaking of third and possibly even um, later in the fourth, I've been looking at a, a very, very quick running back, Israel Abenikanda. Um, he's, um, well, again, slightly on the smaller side, 5'10 and 3 quarters to 15 pounds, but he's extremely young. He's the youngest running back in the draft. He doesn't turn 21 until October. He's got long arms, small hands, but he's extremely quick. He has an unofficial 9.88 relative athletic score, which ranked in 22 out of um, 1,600 running backs since 1987. Um, 88.5 PFF grade is the second highest among 459 college running backs. Dynamic, quick. Again, we talked about big runs. Um, 13% of his rushes went for over 10 yards. 7% went for over 15 yards. He's a home run threat on every carry and every reception. To his play, um, all running back play, his good contact balance. Um, he's got improved vision and good change of direction. You get him outside the tackles and he's devastating. His lower centre of gravity and uh, contact balance means he can profit between the tackles too. Um, if you need one final reason to draft him, is uh, uh, Nathan will enjoy his Twitter handle. He's got a solid handle. Uh, Israel Abnikander's Twitter handle is Izzy gets busy. Okay, well, I think we've covered most of the players that we can in the time uh, that we've been given. But do you have any um, quick comments on any draft crushes that you'd like to speak about, Rory? Uh, one guy that I would just bring up is uh, just another LSU player because we just can't get enough of them, can we, as um, Bengals fans? So, Jay Ward, defensive back. Very experienced, four-year player. A little bit skinny to play safety at the next level, but very versatile. He's played a lot on the, in the slot. So you've got outside corner, slot, safety, versatility. Very good leader on that team. Described as a coach on the field. If you remember, the LSU defensive backfield has been absolutely stacked with good players. So for him to be the guy that coaches, say, is the leader on the field, that is something to, to be aware of. Um Loads of flash plays, one-handed interceptions, big hits, that sort of thing. Worth watching the highlights on. So he's he's my draft crush that I would look for in the later rounds. And Nathan, have you got a draft crush you want to bring to the table? Yeah, I was trying to think about um, who would be the one I'd go for. And a, a position specifically is a potential future need, which is actually wide receiver, uh, especially with the Higgins and Chase contracts coming up. So a couple of the Cincinnati guys like Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker would have been consideration. But for me, it's actually Parker Washington, out of Penn State, uh, he's on the smaller side of five foot ten, but he's um, and more of a slot option. But do think it is a potential future guy to replace Tyler Boyd, um, considering how small he is. He's he's uh, PFF. He's got seventy one point four percent catch uh, percentage for uh, contested catches, which is impressive for a guy that small, and he's really good after the catch as well. Um, and he's even provided special teams uh, experience too. So similar to I mentioned about Devon H A and a guy that could be useful outside of standard offence. So, 
a guy that could be there definitely in the third round, but maybe even in the fourth is a guy I really like as an option to bring in and be a wide receiver four for the time being. Excellent. Um, okay, I would just like to talk about a tight end that may be um, in round four or five. Um, but for this tight end, I think we're going to need to ensure that Paul's got the bleep machine because his name is not something we would normally want to use on this podcast. This is the old Dominion tight end, Zach Kuntz. Six foot six, five and uh, um, five eights. He is also extremely athletic. Forty yard dash, ten yard split, twenty yard shot, a three cone drill. He's all ninetieth percentile or above. He's got a relative athletic score of nine point nine nine, ranked him first out of over a thousand tight ends since nineteen eighty seven. He is negative. He only started five games last year uh, before injury, but he recovered enough to test that well. Um, it's not the most refined route route tree, but what he's asked to run, he runs very efficiently. Um, it's lovely to see a big boy on the hoof. Uh, super competitive at the catch point, and he goes up and gets it. Um, I, I certainly would be delighted if we pulled the trigger on day or day two or day three for cunts. Paris, who's your draft crush? Uh, so my draft crush is actually he's called Juice Vaughan. Um, he's a five foot five, hundred seventy nine pound running back. Um, he's actually the shortest player measured in combine history. Um, Around a 4.440-yard dash. Um, as expected for a back of his size, he's very agile and shifty. Um, he's very fast. He's got home run hitting ability. Um, he scored 27 touchdowns for the last two seasons and seven receiving touchdowns as well on top of that. Um, he's got special teams experience as well. He's returned kicks. Um, to me, he's a mini Gio Bernard, really. So um, I think in that sort of fourth or fifth round range, he'd be... Um, a good sort of third down back for us. So I think we're all looking forward to um, a, an enjoyable draft coming up. We've got that many options available to everyone. So um, thank you very much, gentlemen. And uh, let's hand back to Paul. Well, there we go. A uh, big thank you to Pete, to Rory, to Paris and to Nathan. Um, giving you some food for thought there, Nathan. I'll just ask where you've got the trademark and the copyright usage for to use the solid handle um, on another broadcast? Well, you know, um, it's owned by Cincinnati Enterprises, of which I am CEO and chairman. So I think uh, you'll find that I own everything that you say that comes out of your mouth, basically. Treasurer. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, thanks to the guys uh, for doing that. Lots of names to digest, Nathan. And again, we're not going to go into what, who we like this this uh, this week. We'll go into that a little bit more uh, next week. Uh, anything else you'd like to say before we sign off um, this time around? I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a fascinating time of year to draft, and I'm just starting to get into it more and more at the moment. Yeah, just sort of doing yeah. a bit of research, going through some of the position groups. Like I said, I think the exciting part this year, without question, is the um, the amount of positions that could be in play. And the good thing as well, it, you know, purely from an entertainment perspective, which is why a lot of people um, follow the draft for the Bengals' sake. You know, they, they might take a cornerback and offensive tackle, but I think there's a very good chance they might go running back at tight end. And when you've got exciting um, game breaker prospects that you're looking at in the first round, that's exciting as a fan. Because if you bring in a Robinson or a you know a Dalton Kincaid, whoever it might be, 
they're someone that's going to feature very, very heavily and be a potential playmaker for us next year. And whenever you add an elite piece like that in the first round, a position like that that would be used, you know, almost straight away, you know, you draft either of those guys, Robinson, Kincaid, anyone like that in the first round, they are being plugged in. They're your starter um, moving forward. So whenever you've got a situation like that, I always think it's very, very exciting. Um, but it's a big draft for us. And the, the reason I think more than anything I'm leading towards, you know, going for a tight end and running back is that immediate production. I think if you draft a tackle, they're probably not starting with the options you've got on the team at the moment. Um, the same with a cornerback, you know, it's sort of very much in rotation. And I think most of the time you're probably not looking um, to try and get someone to come in straight away. But I think certainly a running back and tight end, you can make best use of that. They're both be you know in the first round and even some guys in the second round i think will be much better options immediately than what we've got on the roster at the moment um so yeah i think that, that's the exciting part for me and you so know here's, here's a question then right here's a question if uh, bijan robinson or jamai gibbs falls to us and you know we end up selecting a bijan robinson you're cutting joe mixon right yeah yeah um you know what? It's difficult, isn't it? Because you say that and you say, yep, you are. But, you know, who's Mixon, sorry, who's Robinson running alongside? You know, Exactly. Like then do you sign a Zeke Elliott as a kind of a veteran number two kind of thing? I think Mixon, I mean, I'm not, we're not going to talk about Mixon. We talked about it a lot last week. Yeah. But this sort of um, reopening of the case, um, you know, won't help his case. I'm surprised the Bengals haven't made a call on this yet i'm almost wondering if they're waiting to see what happens in the well, draft i mean i was also going to say everyone should just keep their eyes peeled because things could change day by day in the lead up to the draft i mean they might want to i mean i don't know whether they're going to trade him because it's a, you know a 12 million 12.8 i believe million cap hit so some teams yeah. gonna have to pick that up um jonah williams on the other hand you know the last we heard he'd asked for a trade and it's all gone quiet in the Jonah Williams camp since then, I wonder if either the Bengals have persuaded him to stick around um, or they're waiting till you know, right up to the draft where they can get a, a third rounder, a fourth rounder for him. You know what I mean? Um, I hope they, I really hope that they keep hold of Jonah and he plays right tackle. I really hope they do that. I, I like Jonah as a player. I know it's not ideal for him. And he's not played right tackle for a long, long time, if really at all. Um, and he'd be pissed off, you know, fair enough. But I just think he'd be a good option. He knows the team. He knows he's, you know, there's that chemistry on the offensive line. You move him over. I think he's realistically going to be a better option at right tackle than anyone between now and <laughs> opening day going to get on the mm. roster. Um, you know, obviously, Leo Collins would have something to say about that, but I, I don't really think he's going to be. You know, he he struggled at times last year. Anyway, he's a year older, coming off some fairly serious injury. I'm, I'm not sure he's necessarily your best option there. So, like we said before, I think one of him and Jonah um, won't be on the roster come opening day. But you know, I hope hope there's you know, I think always whenever you get a first round pick, you always have sort of a special place in your heart for them. Don't you? you hope they work out. You know, you're excited. You do, about them, and there's been a fierce. Fierce, again, a fierce debate uh, on the social media site twitter.com. People who are just kind of, you know, kind of really just trashing Jonah Williams and people sticking up for him and those two kind of uh, factions, if you like, are are coming out of a right old biff off and uh, quite pointless, needless 
dare I say, a bit schoolyardish, really. Um, however, people can do what they want. Um, um, yeah, I, uh, Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. Ooh, Jonah. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. I don't know what I think about Jonah Williams. I think he's a slightly above average right tackle. He's turned out to be... He's obviously had real injury problems. He's had one good year, the Super Bowl year, and then one not so good year. That was last year. So I would say he's an average to above average tackle. Do you know what I mean? I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair. He's a solid enough uh, yeah. tackle. Um, but you're right. I mean, asking him to move over to right tackle is a different position. People just kind of say, hey, yeah, you can go to right tackle. But, you know, that's almost relearning a new position, you know. And um, But like, the, the argument for it, I guess, is who, who's playing right tackle if he's not playing right tackle. Well, exactly. He, that's it. That's the thing. You know, at the end of this podcast and then... You know who's starting right tackle? Leo Collins is not going to be ready for opening day. You wouldn't think. And no. like I said, even if well, he it's is... Cody Ford then, isn't it? Or Jackson well, Carmen. I mean, and then that's that. Then you kind of solving one problem of Orlando Brown to just you know leave yourself wide open another because Cody Ford really is not a starting quality right tackle in this league at the moment. He's maybe a depth piece. He's someone you bring into camp to. Well, they signed him for battle. a reason. They signed him for a reason. Yeah. I mean, I think this is their backup plan if. You know, I don't know. I just don't see what I mean. It's it's a bit unsettled this year. Yeah. You go and draft a guy, you know, anyone realistically, you sit in your spot at the end of the first round and you wait for someone to come down there. Like you said, there's a couple of good guys down there that could come in, you know, size-wise, experience-wise. But, you know, are you, are you comfortable chucking them in there, opening day, saying, go on, son, get yourself in there and well, go and we block did it with Gordon. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I tell you now, if they if they trade Jonah Williams, there's a very strong argument for going right tackle in the first round. Very strong. If someone's there, if someone like a Darnell Wright, or yeah, even, yeah, yeah. you know, is there, then you pull the trigger on Darnell Wright. It's a premium position. But that's where it does leave you open, I think, because if you, if you, like you said, if you trade him away, well, then you know you got Cody Ford, and then it, and then it starts going down the same road before of you know some of these guys that you know we think, oh, well, you know, you're Isaiah Prince's of the world, and God knows who yeah, else yeah, that yeah, you know yeah. we, we've over that just you know aren't really working. So I think you'd be forced into going either first or second round for a right, you know, to get a right yeah, tackle. Yeah, and you yeah, yeah. fairly early on. I mean, if you go into you know, you go into camp and say, look, you know, I can see the Bengals doing this as well and saying, look, Cody Ford, you're going to fight out with a guy we've drafted in the first or second round. You know, the winner gets the job. That, that's, in my mind, a bit risky, you know. Well, uh, that's I, what it's all about. I mean, that's why you draft I, premium players at premium positions, yeah, you know, to I, go in and... I'd rather keep Jonah because I think, like you said before, I'd say Jonah's average. I think saying he's above average is a bit of a stretch. I think at times he's, you know, he's not. Well, at his great. best, he's, he's been above average, I think. But last year, enough. he was below average, you know. So if you balance the two out, he's an average, solid, you know, I'd solid player. We said before on this podcast, I take an average offensive line. We don't true, need, true. you know, an offensive line that's going to, you know, blow people away. You've got the talent outside of the offensive line to do that with your. T. Higgins, your Jamar Chases, your Joe Burrows, you know, they're the elite players that do the dirty work downfield. You know, we, we just need the line to be <clears throat> roughly comparable and decent. 
and get the job done. And I think when you do, so you're taking risks. And you, I mean, I thought they took a massive risk last year starting Cordell Volson. And I know a yeah. lot of people would say, you know, oh, he did a good job and he stepped in as a, you know, he wasn't even a first or second round pick, but he's come in and he's he's grafted and he's worked hard. He, he did. And I like Cordell and I really hope the geezer takes a step forward this year and he learns from, you know, that experience. But the reality is, was he an, an average or even above average performance? Well, I, I think you look Probably. at, you look at, I think we got amazing production from him in his first year, but you look at the stats and he was the weak link. He was yeah, the yeah, weakest link, I mean. you know, in that line. And that's even with the poor, you know, the poor tackle play in the beginning, in the first half of the season, Jonah and Leo Collins, and they got better, you know, until they got both got injured, unfortunately. But one thing, you know, Jonah Williams, this is his last year, regardless. So there's got to be a plan going forward. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? That's what I mean. You could talk around these. Oh, the Bengals have got a plan. I'm sure they have. But <laughs> you could talk about these subjects and probably get into a little wrestle with each other. Um, in front of a roaring fire, uh, just in her underpants. Um, maybe that was just a dream I had last night. I don't know. Anyway, um, you could get into proper fisticuffs. You know what I mean? That's what people are going at it on Twitter. It is a subject that that you know really provokes some strong opinions. I'm undecided yet, as I always am. I just, I, as I say, the Bengals could go in the first couple of three rounds different ways. So, anyway, we <laughs> should. Before you sign off, son, just talking about Jonah very quickly again. <sighs> when they got Orlando Brown in, what do you think they thought he would do? Do you think they thought he'd be want to leave? Do you think they thought we're going to have to well, trade I, I, him? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think they would probably have hoped for him to kind of say, look, okay, last year in my deal. I'll do this, I'm a team man, I'm a good guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, surely they would have had to have considered his actual reaction, you know, because I don't blame Jonah, actually. He's been a starter for four years. That was, he's just been given the fifth-year option. Everything looked kind of good. Been to the Super Bowl, been to the AFC Championship game. Didn't play that great last year, but, you know, I'm on this team, I am the left tackle. And then they draft a Super Bowl winning left tackle who's six foot eight, and you know a top twenty uh, left tackle. I don't blame Jane, Jonah for being pissed off at all. But then again, I don't blame the Bengals for seeing an opportunity to sign a marquee player at a premium position at a really good price. Who wouldn't? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. It's all a little bit of a mess. There's lots of things to be ironed out at the moment. So. Year opening day, son. You call it your guns at your head. Now, ooh, um, Orlando Brown, Cordell Volson, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and, and uh, we'll tell you next week. It's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.